What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Rule of Three podcast, a Chicago Bears podcast hosted by yours truly, Robert Schmitz, along with Danny Meehan and Brandon Robinson, who is not here today, making it yet another episode of the Rule of Two, as me and Danny come at you, just coming away from the second day of Bears training camp, which, while neither of us were at, we can talk through some general impressions as training camp opens, and a quick, big headliner, I think, Danny, as Dalton apparently has now outplayed Fields on both of the last two days, which is starting a lot of conversation about Fields' readiness and what the season may look like as things go forward, especially because if you listen to the pod or not the podcast, the presser, the way that I did on Nagy's first day of camp, he gave the impression that the competition might be a little bit more open at quarterback than we think it is, depending on who outplays the other. Based on what you've seen, Danny, well, first let me start with the basic one. How you doing? It's been a little bit since you've been on the show. It's, it has been a little bit. Uh, kind of like everyone when it comes to something you kind of go, for lack of a better term, balls to the wall on. I gave myself a little breather from football outside of the occasional film breakdown or checking into our Bears chats or whatever here or there. I really needed to decompress and been working a lot. So it was just kind of nice to step away and kind of get my mind right. So I'm back here again. <laughs> I guess we'll start with the Justin Fields versus Andy Dalton stuff versus we use that in, in the quotes. battle between it's Dalton and Fields. But let's really be realistic here. Every year we see rookies come into camp sans last year because it was just a very strange year. And you hear even about uh, guys from the SEC, the big 10, the PAC 12, whatever it might be, where they're coming into the NFL, and these are the fastest conferences in college, and what do they all talk about? How fast the NFL game is. It's just so fast compared to what I'm used to. Because guess what? Everyone in the NFL is fast. Everybody. And I don't want to say, like, we should have expected Dalton to outplay Fields straight out the gate, but in a sense, shouldn't we have kind of been unsurprised that this is happening. I mean, Dalton is a somewhat decorated real NFL starting quarterback with skins on the wall and a, and a couple, well, at least one for sure MVP caliber ish season before he broke his thumb. He's a pro's pro. He knows what he's doing. This isn't Nick Foles and a couple of runs here or there. This is a legitimate starter who knows how to play football and has his old offensive coordinator, Bill Lazor, kind of spoon-feeding him the offense. Not that he needs it to be – I shouldn't say spoon-feeding, but, ha, but has his old OC helping him pick up the playbook and do things that he knows how to do versus a guy who just got this playbook, even though he might have the quote-unquote photographic memory, et cetera, et cetera. This shouldn't come as a shock. And I don't want people to start freaking out when you hear about, like, overthrows from fields because it's normal. It's growing things. Like – let him get out there and let them play. Let them, let them grow and develop together and let them do what they have to do. So one thing, Danny, to your point, 
that Brandon and I have been talking about as often as we can, because I feel like the message has to get out there however we can get it, is that there's a lot to learn when you get to the NFL. Like, it's not just college football plus. Defensively speaking, even the vanilla defenses are extremely complicated compared to a lot of what's in college. Mm-hmm. And to ta- to go on a bit of a tangent that's related, I promise, but to take this in a different direction, I guess, I think one of the most under-talked about concepts with quarterbacks is the concept of comfort. Because you can be uncomfortable in a clean pocket if the coverage downfield has fooled you just as much as you can be uncomfortable in a noisy pocket with a coverage that you understand. We've seen this in the NFL all the time. I mean, let me give you a perfect example. Mitch Trubisky, when the defense is giving him exactly what he wants, looks like a different quarterback than most of the rest of the time he's on the field when he's a little bit lost or catching up based on something that the defense is throwing him that he can't respond to. Justin Fields is very similar. Not to say Fields is Trubisky. It's more to say, and I'm sure you've seen it in his film, Fields against Rutgers, where he knows what he's getting. He sees a too high safety shell and he thinks, okay, it's either going to be a cover four post out on this smash concept, or I'm going to look left and attack a cover two concept. I literally got those flipped. Cover or cover two. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, like, yeah, wait a minute. Cover two, I'm going to throw the smash post, or and cover four, I'm going to throw the out and up route. And he threw, I mean, he just looked amazing, comfortable, delivered with anticipation, ball right where it needed to be. Then you look at his games against Bama or Northwestern, and I really got the impression those defenses took his comfort away. Now, Northwestern, he did not play well, and everybody, I think, has gone over that one with maybe two fine teams to come. And then Alabama, he hit as much as he missed, if you will. Like there was just, that was just a great defensive game from Alabama. And as you go through it, I don't want to ever say there's nothing Fields could have done, but I thought he played really well, all things concerned or considered and hit what he needed to, to keep OSU alive. But Bama's offense just whitewashed the uh, OSU defense. And there was no coming back from that. The point is When we're talking about comfort, if Justin Fields hasn't gotten enough visual reps, just enough reps against these high caliber defenses, I'm not surprised that he's a little bit uncomfortable and uncomfortable er, and being uncomfortable creates hesitancy in the pocket. It creates inaccuracy due to hesitancy. It's not the rhythmic throwing that you're going to get from somebody like Andy Dalton, who has done this for years of his life. In fact, I think this season marks a decade. So good on Andy Dalton. He knows the ins and outs of this NFL game. And even if the bears defense threw something different at him, he's probably seen something similar. He's just been around long enough. Just like how normally camp starts out with the defense having an edge over the offense, Andy Dalton should have the clear edge over Justin Fields or the Bears are in trouble from Dalton's end. And if Dalton can keep this up, if Dalton can keep this up, certainly if he can somehow assert himself as the 24th to maybe 20th best quarterback in the league, that buys Fields time to get truly comfortable instead of having to figure things out on the fly. I don't see this as anything but a boon and something expectable and nothing that we need to worry about, though I, like every other fan, will cringe just a little bit every time I don't hear Justin Fields looking like an ultra star. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, I mean, but it's we also have to take it with an ultra grain of salt because every year, you know how it goes, people show up into camp in the quote-unquote best shape of their life. Everyone looks sharp. Everyone looks this. Everyone looks that. Everyone looks the other. I don't, like I said, he's going to take his lumps in, tr- in camp, in game, in preseason, in regular season. It's just how it's going to go. And the other part of it is that I really want to kind of ask you the question and ask our listeners and the Bears fans a question. Let's really be honest here. Justin Herbert last year had the literal best rookie season of all time. And the Chargers didn't win or go to the playoffs. What do what I guess I just don't understand the rush to put fields in because rookie quarterbacks typically historically don't win anything. If if nothing else, I'm not sitting saying sitting him is good because it's going to make him better. At the very least, I don't trust this offensive line. And before they throw him to the wolves, I think a more polished quarterback like or more experienced quarterback, rather not polished, like Andy Dalton, who, who knows how to operate within a bad pocket and knows how to how to maybe deal with pressures of NFL of an NFL week to week game planning and setup will do him well too, especially for Justin just to see how that goes. Now I will say, I don't, like I said, I don't think sitting equals good playing equals bad. In fact, I think he's pretty pro ready to go out there and play. I just want, I worry about the guy getting killed more than anything. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thankfully not only, I know everybody, the, the four, four thing gets a lot of play, maybe too much play because he's not an absurdly agile runner. He's a very good straight line runner that can make one cut, which, Hey, plenty of one cut runners in the NFL. Just want to holistically say Justin Fields' skill set is very good, but he's also got such nutty contact balance and is such a big human being that I can't help but think in a hairy pocket scenario, he's never been bothered by pressure in college. I mean, against Bama, against Rutgers, whatever defense you want to say, if Fields knows what he's looking at downfield, his throw comes out just as well, as long as he doesn't get hit. But so going as far as like that goes i feel like the line because i have heard the line become an excuse like we got to let the line figure things out beforehand and granted there are real question marks the bears starting left tackle has not played a training camp practice yet and that is gonna matter because tevin jenkins needs to be able to hold down that tackle spot against trey flowers and whoever the vikings put out there which i swear it changes all the time i'm not even 100 percent sure um <laughs> Preston Smith, Darius Smith, like the Bears need to be ready to defend against those guys. But to your point, Daniel Hunt, Daniel Hunter, probably Hunter. You got to think it's yeah, probably going to be Hunter, right? Um, yeah, that's, but that's it. All that to say that I am, I'm waiting until Fields is ready. If it's me, I'm not worried. I I would love to see him in the preseason where he should get some slightly more vanilla looks that are basically easy to read defenses at NFL speed, but. I'm still not counting the minutes. I think to answer your earlier question about why the rush, I think it's just impatience. Don't you think that it's just, we had this amazing 2018 team. We were ready for a quarterback to take the next step with an offensive head coach. It finally felt like the bears were going in a pro quarterback direction. And then it did not happen with Mitch falling off and Nagy's offense coming under major scrutiny. I think bears fans are just ready to see the, the, team air the ball out with any you know what it is success. robert 
it's it's the shiny new toy syndrome. Right. I've got this shiny new toy. I want to play with it. Like it's the same. Look at every other rookie in the class. People want to see Borum playing right tackle. People want to see Daz Newsom in the slot. Myself included. Whenever his his collarbone is healed up, you know, it. You just want to see the new toys play. That's it. Like, and the the not so talked about truth is a lot of times the new toy isn't meant to play right away. Nope. Now, like I said, do I think Fields is pro ready? Yes, I do. I think he ran a more a more complicated offense than what's given credit for at Ohio State under Ryan Day. I think he was asked to do a lot, but 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 there is a learning curve to everything when you go from college to the NFL or college to the NBA or college high school to the major leagues or minor leagues in this case of baseball. Like there's always a learning curve and I don't get the that I don't think it gets enough play sometimes from the the casual fan as it were that it's a big gap. Like I said, the SEC is the toughest conference in college football, which Fields was at initially at Georgia. And they all get to the NFL and say how big and fast and how how not open everything is. Like you got to imagine some of the accuracy issues we've heard early on in camp, camp is Fields recalibrating in his in his mind what is open, right? <laughs> sure. I mean I'm sure some of it is, but I always got the impression and granted I got this impression back when Trubisky was playing, but it seems like it's equally true with fields that if you think about it, Danny, say that you lined your throw up, right? You've lined it up just like you have your whole life, right? Your high school career, your college career, you've gotten into a rhythm of what it feels like to line a throw up, but now you're in the NFL. So as you go through the motion, you suddenly ask yourself, wait, wait a minute. Is this the right throw? Am I sure? And that in and of itself throws off your motion mm -hmm. enough that the throw doesn't come out. Maybe it comes out a smidge late. So it's quote unquote on target, but not on target anymore. It was on target. Now it's not. Maybe it's just your footwork gets out of alignment. I have to imagine that there are so many things that Justin Fields is processing every time he takes a snap with an NFL defense out in front of him. That it's, it really is, I'll go back to what I was saying earlier, just a matter of comfort. The more comfortable he gets, yeah. the more he feels like he's playing his game as opposed to catching up or reading this out. Like, yes, it's one thing to read a defense, but it's another to get accustomed to what John DeFilippo may be telling him about how he should like use his feet in an NFL setting. Like there's so many different things that in college, I mean, I've, I've seen and heard coaches that'll pare down different aspects of their game they'll say we're just going to run things out of play action so that my quarterback doesn't have to read anything we're just going to do one three and seven step drops and that is it we're not going to do almost any play action we're going to do this we're going to do that in the nfl you got to be able to do it all it's a lot it's drinking for the fire hose and to circle all the way back to where i feel like we started on this if dalton takes the ball for a couple games, certainly against the Los Angeles Rams with Aaron Donald and, uh, and uh, Jalen Ramsey, Ramsey, among and, others. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to shed a tear because I, I am not in a rush for Justin Fields to get to the field because I don't, I don't feel like the bears need to win this year beyond just whatever the number is that'll keep the locker room feeling like things are moving in the right direction. I mean, and Robert, do, you know, yeah, Sorry, not to cut you off. I was going to say, you know as well as I do, you keep bringing up the comfort piece. Comfort comes through repetition. Yeah. He's just got to keep doing it. Like, and eventually, yes, it would, he will have to just keep doing it in game. But until then, 
let him let him take the practice reps with the first and second team mm-hmm. or second team as it were because it doesn't sound it sounds like Foles is playing with dudes who are going to be on the street in a couple weeks. I mean, so just think about it, right? In the world of how important comfort is, I would make the argument that the two best quarterbacks in the NFL today, which I can't believe I'm saying that a 44-year-old man is one of these two quarterbacks, <laughs> oh but God. Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes, I would argue to you, Danny, what makes Brady so great is that he's a good quarterback that's almost never lost his composure. Like, he doesn't get rattled. Not really. And he maintains the poise that he needs to deliver the football on time and as accurately as he can, whatever that's looked like in his arm throughout his entire career. Obviously, that paid dividends in Tampa Bay, so he can make plenty of throws downfield, but it's not as much about crazy, crazy talent as it is the ability to mentally maintain that composure. On the other side, so if Brady's heads, Mahomes is tails, where I actually think he does lose his composure here and there, but he's got the ability to make such a jailbreak throw that he can erase third and 24 and turn it into a touchdown. So he can gain, he can regain that composure even just momentarily to hit critical deep shots. When you look around the league, I mean, it's not like I'm sitting here trying to say composure is everything. Why is nobody talking about this? But it's clear to me that Carson, (laughs) it's, it's clear to me that Carson Wentz, like it's not the talent that failed him. It was everything shoulders up and a whole bunch of different uh, players all across the league. Mitch Trubisky against the Packers or the saints just had no faith in himself. And it was hard to watch. And so it sounds like you're almost saying that quarterbacks, especially when you get to the elite of the elite, Aaron Rodgers, Mahomes, Brady, they all almost operate within a sense of controlled chaos better mm-hmm. than everybody else. Oh yeah. It, I it's, mean, that's kind of what it sounds like you're saying to me. And I couldn't, I just couldn't think of yeah. a better phrasing. For think it. about it as all those reports we've heard of Rogers hearing a play call, throwing it away and drawing up a play call inside the huddle. It's Rogers having complete control of what's going on. It's Russell Wilson spinning around three different times as he runs from the left sideline to the right sideline to the left sideline, keeping his eyes downfield. It's these guys having complete control that they know what's going on. At least that's the sense that I get watching like the elite of the elite. And that's just Mm -hmm. not something you're going to, you're going to just, you know, wake up and have in the NFL on day one. So it's not surprising to me. I mean, if memory serves, Danny, I don't remember Deshaun Watson's preseason being particularly good. And then after a couple of not so great preseason appearances, he hit the league and lit it up. I mean, it takes time. Yeah. Hey, don't you forget Tom Savage started that first game and then was benched very, yep. very quickly. Because <laughs> I actually I did forget. Quickly re- I did forget that happened. Tom, Tom Savage. God, but- never. Never forget the Pittsburgh wonder. It's, (laughs) it's not to say it's, it's basically just me saying, Danny, it's day two. We don't know yet. If it's still a problem in week three that he still doesn't feel comfortable. Maybe it's time to start worrying. Like if he's not gotten any more comfortable, but we've got checking my phone now a month, the better part of a month. He's got two weeks until he has to make a preseason start. And then he's got three preseason games. I mean, we also need to factor in no matter what Pace said that made it sound like it's not completely Dalton's job, that's Pace's lip service. What has Nagy said almost the entire time? He's going to make him wait and sit. 
he believes in that process because of his time with Andy Reid. And that's fine. I, I, am I sitting here endorsing it saying, yes, that's what he should stick to? No, if, he, if it gets to a point where you're, I don't know, two, three weeks in and Dalton's getting his ass kicked and the Bears can't score points, which, believe me, looking at the first few weeks of the schedule, not completely out it's of the possible. realm of possibility. <laughs> like, you, locker rooms know, players know, coaches know. Eventually, you can't keep the kid on the bench. It's the same thing that happened with Glennon after, what, four or five weeks of memory serves where they're like, this dude sucks. Bring in the kid. Like, eventually it'll happen if it gets to that point of they're not scoring and they're struggling to stay in games or win games. Mm -hmm. After all this talk of discomfort, really, I mean, I remember, what was it, that Nagy presser just a couple days ago. Nagy opened up saying competition is our motto. Competition is the theme of all of this. And, you know, interestingly enough, a phrase they used all offseason, Andy is our starter. He didn't say that one time. So who knows? I really don't. Like, I expect Andy Dalton to get the ball to start the season. I, But at the same time, if Fields really blows things out of the water by the late part of training camp, I have no idea. I mean, well, it's, I just don't it's know. also you got to factor in in preseason, given everything we know. Foles is probably going to take up the bulk of the snaps once the first and second stringers are done off the field, because those are the guys that met. Those are your depth and your starters. But what's going to inevitably happen because it happens every year with rookie quarterbacks is the Justin Fields is going to come out with the twos and play defensive twos and threes, slice them up because those are the same guys he sliced up that were not going to make the roster in colleges. And he's going to look better because he's not playing the start. Andy Dalton will. Be. And you're going to get the, the clamoring. The, the uproar of fans saying, hey, he needs to play. And Ian not Bunting's wrong. a stud. He caught 66 yards against like that team and three times. You get the idea. Like, yeah. The, when a second remember, Tan- it remember Tanner, Gentry, Tanner Gentry love? Who doesn't? <laughs> <laughs> Tanner <laughs> Gentry caught a 70 yard bomb. Yeah, Danny, who cares? I know you're older than I am, but for crying out loud, I remember the sons of Bacher era. I remember the Daniel oh, Braverman God. era. Like, do you I've, remember Andy Fantus? Oh, I the, don't remember him. The, the <laughs> CFL legend coming into camp. And then they're like, he can't get open. Well, yeah, he's big, slow and white. What do you want? from him? <laughs> Exactly. I mean, it, this is hype season. And as a matter of fact, honestly, I think that's a decent segue, Danny, into our second topic, as I think it's important here in the second day of camp that we kind of go through some of the injury list. I know I talked about it on T-Formation Conversation with Lester as we walked through a couple of the injuries, but with more players getting added to the PUP and and a notable reported injury in practice, Danny, we might as well revisit what this Bears team looks like given the roster's health. But we're going to let the sponsors get a word in first. So, folks, we will see you right after the break. And we are back with the Rule of Three podcast. Myself, Robert Schmitz, and Danny Meehan walking through sort of a training camp update and a new eyes look at the rest of this season. As Danny, I'm sure you've heard the news with Jermaine Afedi moved to the PUP list, Jake Butt retiring, huge loss there. Um, and Eddie Jackson <laughs> added to the non-football injury list as well as a reported Jalen Johnson in practice hiccup that he eventually returned to practice from. How are you feeling 
about the overall health of the roster and the impact that even just one of those injuries may have on the season. Well, let's start first and foremost with Eddie Jackson, because we've talked at nauseam outside of the fact that Mac needs to start getting home and Akeem Hicks needs to be healthy. The key to this defense really is Eddie Jackson becoming Eddie damn Jackson again. And I know Brandon and I have disagreement on whether or not or not whether or not, but how effective Eddie actually was last year. But at the very least, Eddie Jackson needs to be better than he was last year, regardless of our difference of opinion. Because he did go backwards in terms of production. He needs to get better again and go back to the Eddie Jackson that was arguably in the Defensive Player of the Year conversation a couple of years prior to getting that extension. So it's just a matter of that's a big one. And then you factor in, Jalen Johnson, which is another worrisome one because I, we were talking pre-show a little bit about it. For him, it's he feels like one of these guys that's always going to be something. He It's what took him out of the first round coming out of Utah. It's what's keeping him off the field, at least in some capacity right now. We don't know. We know he came back, but he missed some snaps. You can't have the guy that's supposed to be your corner one after you released the arguable best player on your defense, one of the arguable best players on your defense for the past few years in Kyle Fuller, and expect things to just be cool. Like, it's not. The, this secondary really, at its core, kind of sucks right now. And that's not good in a lead that's getting more pass-happy by the year. Well, you know, I think it's hilarious that you say at its core. Because you, so what What do you think of when you think of core? I think of the dead center of something, right? Like, if it's a sphere, it's the dead center. Dead and what center. That mean- and what that means is that if you looked at a roster, as a matter of fact, I'd never thought about it this way. You can assess the quality of a DB room by looking at their third and fourth corner, like especially their their depth outside corners. If those guys can play. Yeah, don't then, don't look at those names. Just don't do probably, that. Probably don't want to. I mean, just <laughs> just to play on the positive side of things, I am higher on. So I feel like there's two prevailing opinions of Kendall Vildor right now, which is either he's I like going Kendall. to be really, really I, good I or he sucks, don't care about him. I feel like neither of those are fair. I feel like Kendall Vildor could be a very solid depth corner, but he's still young. So I wouldn't want to count on him in a playoff team. But I don't know. We'll, we'll see how he works. But then after that, I mean, what are we looking at? Trey Roberson, Artie Burns? Like the, the names past that point start to get so dicey that with Th- Thomas Graham Jr., if you really maybe feel good about a sixth round rookie, but like, even he's a rookie. I mean, that and yeah. corner takes time to learn. He's Duke small. Shelley. He's like just to stick on Graham for a second. I love him as a zone fit in an underneath scheme, like or in an underneath role in a two deep scheme. But he, I am not expecting him to be ready for week one. He's not particularly athletic. He's somebody that you want. He didn't to be heady play last year, right? It's the sort of thing where <laughs> there's a lot of risk there. So we've got Jalen Johnson who might be hurt. I, we've got. I, I just. Get, I feel like you're just completely disrespecting one Duke Shelley. Uh, I know you're his biggest uh, fan. I know. (laughs) I, I don't hate Shelley. (laughs) Why do you hate Duke Shelley? They're just, there's some guys that can get ahead of a play 
when when you're talking about corner, I feel like there's what three major kinds of guys. There's the guy who's completely lost, who obviously nobody wants to have him on their team. Most of the time, they don't even make the roster. Then there's like the second level of you know he's just he's close. He makes the tackle afterwards. And then there's the guy you want, the guy that can actually help deny the pass. I feel like Shelley is firmly in that tier two based on what we saw last year. Like he he's going to look like maybe he could have stayed with the guy, but ah, he just barely got beat. And, you know, we lived through this with Buster screen and, and past a certain point, you just get tired of it. You just want to see like your corner actually stop the ball instead of saying, ah, and going back to, you talked about Kyle Fuller. I can't help, but feel like Danny, when they cut Fuller, they knew this was coming. This, this is why I've always talked about it potentially being more of a developmental year than I feel like that we are being told it is. It because is. It is a, it, it, for lack of a better term, it is a developmental year. All your players that matter right. the most aren't going to be, in theory, playing many meaningful snaps this year because you're waiting for them to hit the ground running when you're ready to start trying to compete again. Mm-hmm. It sucks, and it's a harsh reality, but it's like I saw – but especially when the when the Rogers stuff was starting to like gain steam and everyone was like picking the Bears to win the division. And it's like all things being equal, really look at the roster in comparison to the Vikings. They're not a better football team at this moment in time. They're just not. And that's okay to say. Like you have to kind of take the good with the bad. And the issue will then come into the fact that you look at where the salary cap was placed and a lot of this team was destined to either succeed or fail on the shoulders of 10 and it failed and they kept doubling and tripling quadrupling down. And we've talked about that at nausea. I'm going to make me want to gouge my eyes out. Like they gave money to Robert Quinn to, to steady the pass rush outside of someone outside of namely Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks also aged all three of those guys on the wrong side of our, I believe Mac just turned 30 this summer, but all so did his 30 year, yeah, sorry. Th- yeah. 30 year older. So now you're looking at, and, and, and there's another injury. Robert Quinn's hurt again. Yep. Like at a certain point, you have to look at this without the bears colored glasses on and kind of take the roster for what it is. Could they surprise? Yes. Things, strange things happen in the NFL literally every year. Yep. What was it we talked about in 2017? I don't, I don't know if you talked about this, but I know I feel like I talked about it a lot was the bears were a team that had a lot of good players, had some holes, but they were missing great players. They didn't have the stars that they didn't have the top heaviness that you want out of a team. I mean, take the guys in Kansas city. They're almost exclusively top heavy. Their top carries their offense and you want Mm -hmm. it to, that's how you want it to work. That's a good thing. It's not bad roster management right here where the bears are. I feel like the funniest part about talking about them, Danny is that, they don't have enough of those good players. They have a they have actually quite a few great players, especially when you count Allen Robinson and Eddie Jackson and Roquan Smith and Khalil Mack. And if Justin Fields joins that cadre, that's huge. Having five guys that you could theoretically put that little impact player star on in a video game, mm-hmm. you can work with that. Two on offense, three on defense. Well, and well, there there there's the other question then though, going forward with this roster. Roquan's do paper. 
so, there's another there's a whole nother can of worms right there in regards to the defense look i will let me go ahead and open that one danny because <laughs> i feel like i feel like i can make my position firm without without like pretending that pace is going to do something different and then pretending to get mad about it ryan pace is going to resign roquan smith right or yeah, roquan smith as he should is a top 10 draft pick that would be getting paid, I think, way more than any inside linebacker, quote unquote, deserves based on the way that the salary cap is structured. I don't think an inside linebacker should ever be 10% or near that of your cap allotment. I don't even know if an edge rusher should be that anymore. And Khalil Max almost 15% of the cap. You think about that however you want to, Bears fan. But Ryan Pace is not going to, having not re-signed a single first-round draft pick to a second contract yet, let Roquan Smith walk out the door, even if Quan asked for $24 million a year. Like, they are going to extend him. And that means, so to answer your question, yeah, over the next four years, Roquan Smith's going to be around. Is he going to be worth his money? Ask that question about Eddie Jackson. As soon as he got paper, all of a sudden, the fact that teams started avoiding him and he got two touchdowns taken away via penalty meant that he went from great to sucks because a cheap player that plays really well is amazing and an expensive player that plays fine or has a down year is somebody that immediately gets eyes turned on them, just like Khalil Mack. So we'll see what happens with Roquan, but I mean, I think he'll stick around, don't you? I mean, here's <laughs> here's the inevitable problem where I, I see the argument when not paying inside linebackers, but there's a difference between paying someone who's very good, i.e., I don't know, pick middle of the pack, like Bernardrick McKinney is a really good middle linebacker. Roquan Smith is more than really good. Sure. He's an elite inside linebacker at his position. It's the same idea as would I pay would I pay but Archer McKitty, let's say. No, probably not. Right. Would I pay Roquan Smith? Yeah, because you pay to keep elite players. Mm-hmm. Elite isn't very good. It's a complete different echelon. It's the same thing like what I hear with running backs or or nose tackles or something like that. Like, are they easier to replace? In theory, yes, they are. Especially running backs and and no tackle stuff like that. But when you have one of those four or five guys, you really can't afford to let one of them go. Cause say you do let, let Quan go who's sure. stepping in to replace him. It's Danny Trevathan. You don't it's want not Danny Trevathan. He's already on the field. Or <laughs> well, who's stepping into the mic position. Then? It, it's, it's at Taylor that Jones. point, <laughs> It's Chandler Jones. Oh, God. If, if oh, God. <laughs> if we're talking this season, it's Chandler Jones, yeah. who I think could replace Trevathan without almost seeing any difference, to be totally honest. Like, I don't think Chandler Jones is a poor or is all that poor a player, especially for the money that he's being paid. But nobody's going to replace Roquan in this defense. Nobody. Now. No. And that's my point. Like, and, and right. the other thing I just need to stop in regards to the comparison of linebackers, Fred Warner does not play the same linebacking position that Roquan does. Darius Leonard does not play the same linebacking position Roquan does. They all play the same position, but they have different tasks and responsibilities. It's like when people, when Erlacher and Ray Lewis played, tried to compare them, and it was apples to oranges comparison. Lewis was a two-gapping A to B-gap linebacker, 
because he was in a 30 front almost exclusively with a second guy, I believe his name was Peter Bolware, standing next to him. Erlacher was a cover two back, backer. It's a very different world. Mm-hmm. So, but we'll move on from this. I, I was just saying, like, well, I'm a four paying. It's a very long winded way of me saying you pay Roquan because he's elite at his position. I wouldn't pay him if he was simply very good. Well, let me tie it into the injury discussion we were having earlier. I think what always scares me about paying defensive players tons of money, just saying it, like general defensive players, a Mm -hmm. cornerback like Jalen Ramsey, an interior lineman like Aaron Donald, any of them, is that I have seen what it looks like for a defense to have you know, just, just a couple holes. We've just got a buster screen and, you know, a rookie starting at outside corner. And we didn't really replace Adrian Amos all that well, but you know, safeties are a dime a dozen. So we've really only got three holes on an otherwise phenomenal defense. And it went from legendary to just good, I guess in 2019. Right. Defense is such a weak link quandary that what scares me the most about Jalen Johnson getting nicked up here and Desmond Trufant's injury history and Eddie Jackson on the non-football injury list is that the Bears have enough holes already with Duke Shelley and or honestly, it's kind of just Duke Shelley, but also Deshaun Gibson if you wanted to just go after the guy that if they lose too many more defenders, the bottom falls out. Like you're going to see Mac get schemed away from again. And Robert Quinn could have a resurgent season and still only get like six sacks because the ball's going to come out so quickly to defensive players that should not be playing against. I mean, for crying out loud, the bears are going to visit the Browns. And that means Duke Shelley's going to have to play against Jarvis Landry. Like, good luck. That great. I, yeah. if I was a Brownie, I would love that matchup. And that's the sort of thing that I look at with this defense. And it just makes me feel better about the offensive players because while it would suck, for Tevin Jenkins to be out and Elijah Wilkinson to step in. And while it would extra suck for Larry Borum to have to start in place of Jermaine Fady currently on the pup list. And I'm feeling pretty good about most of those offensive players coming back. Eventually the bears are probably just slow playing it. I mean, cross your fingers. You hope so, right? You can, you can kind of work around it because at the end of the day, Alan Robinson's still out there. And if you just get it to him a little well, quicker than you wanted. And that was the other part I was going to try to j- nip in the butt while we're recording here is, this is not either of us saying we don't want them to pay Allen Robinson. I think both of us having it our way would sooner pay A-Rob and figure out Roquan later because you have right. that fifth-year option on it. But I don't – I just get the feeling that that ship has sailed. Like I it's, don't know. <laughs> I, I want to be wrong on that. I really do because I think Allen Robinson wants to be here and I think that he would – He's pro- probably even at this moment, it's up between him and Brandon Marshall as the best Bears receiver this franchise franchise has ever had. Right. So would I like to, in theory, hold on to him? Yeah, but it takes two to tango, and it sounds like from based off of everything we've heard that they were close at eighteen million a year. Then Amari Roger or not Amari Rogers, Amari Cooper got his money, and the price of poker went up. And we'll just basically say. Cap is going to go back up. Asking price is going to go up because the cap is going up. And it doesn't seem like the Bears want to come up with their offer for, at the moment and pay pay the price of poker. And that that's where the stalemate kind of is. So obviously things can change. I mean, things may change a ton with fields and folds. Say field gets in in week six or whatever as an arbitrary week to pick. And all of a sudden, Alan Robinson sees – 
less double teams because this kid is spreading the ball around. Because we know there, there's one thing Dalton doesn't do. He doesn't play point guard. He doesn't spread the ball around. He's kind of four-speed four speed number one. That's what he's always done. That's why A.J. Green has had a borderline Hall of Fame career. Like, <laughs> so all of a sudden you, you start getting Darnell Mooney, Mooney and these guys involved in this, that, the other. And maybe he changes his tune because this is the best quarterback he's ever played with at the end of the day. Only time will tell. Only time will tell. I mean, what I understand, which is an imperfect understanding, I am sure. But if you wanted to oversimplify what it looks like for an NFL free agent to put their priorities in order, they're either going to go after maximum money or as much money as they can get from a contender. Like they're going to either see if it used to be Jacksonville. Jacksonville used to always be my example because they were just terrible for years there. But they're either going to see if they can go get 23, 24, 25 million dollars from Jacksonville per year. Or you know what? 22 million dollars from Kansas City is just as well. So you balance those wins with the money. Is that fair to say? Yes or no? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's fair. Allen Robinson, I think right now wants to play with a good quarterback. I think he's dealt with Christian Hackenberg and Mitchell Trubisky and Nick Foles and Blake Bortles. And he's done with that life and he wants a good quarterback. So my guess is that he is just as curious about Fields' development as the Bears are. And the Bears don't really know what they're dealing with, because if Fields isn't it, like God forbid, then having Allen Robinson doesn't help you. Because, yeah, sure, it makes the offense better, but you're still out a quarterback, and you need to figure that out. Allen Robinson probably doesn't want to commit to the Bears, because why would he stick around for more years of Andy Dalton and Nick Foles and Justin Fields? If Justin Fields, again, pretend that he's like a, a Dwayne Haskins again, God forbid. And I don't think they're the same, but you get the idea, right? The, it's yeah. almost as so if I do. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I, I was going to say, while we're on the subject of wide receivers, what do you think about all these receivers being signed and brought in? And, and, and then you factor in Miller moving on and you kind of get the feeling, especially Ridley's had a rough start to camp again. And Javon Wims kind of does a whole lot of nothing. Do you think that we're, <laughs> he attempts to block and then he gets his chain snatched by Chauncey right. Gardner Johnson. But uh, do you think the bottom of the roster specifically at that position isn't, is getting ready to be turned over? Oh yeah. Oh Yeah. I feel like the Bears had an identity for what they wanted to do at receiver. Like they wanted these very technical guys and they wanted an A-Rob backup and they wanted all these things. But then they hit the point where they feel like no team is respecting them vertically and they aren't on def- or like to be fair on tape. I mean, I was going to say, not. if you're an opposing defensive coordinator, would you respect anything they can do to offensively with speed? I feel I like I'm harping would. on the kid, but I know I would not respect an 18% deep ball completion percentage in 2020 from yours. Truly number 10 and Nick Foles is <laughs> Nick Foles is 50% did not feel like 50% either because I'm almost certain most of those completions came in garbage time. I feel like I watched garbage. it play out that way. Just calling it like it is right. Hitting, hitting a, long pass in the middle of the or at the end of the Indianapolis game and three long passes in the Tennessee game don't erase the fact that we watched him airmail a couple deep receivers against um, Tampa Bay and a couple other games and I mean mm-hmm. line play be darned it you get the idea the Bears right. want those deep compliments because it's not a Rob's job a Rob can 
go catch you a 40 yard post, but he's better on the 25 yard post or the 15 yard slant or using his body on a dig route over the middle. Why wouldn't you put Mooney on a flag where, yeah, why wouldn't you put Mooney on a flag and A-Rob underneath it running the other direction? Doesn't that just make more sense? And I feel like that's, that's where the bear's head is at is the more speed we can load the field with, the more we can use Allen Robinson as the everything that isn't a speed route down guy. But it's also the fact that doesn't speed almost give you a bit more of a room for error because guys like Bird and Goodwin are just so fast. Even if you, like, I'm not saying, like, in terms of acrobatic catches. No, guys like Alshon Jeffrey, uh, A-Rob, guys like that, they give you more room for error on accuracy. But I'm saying room for error, like if it's a busted play and you just got to flip the ball off to a receiver on like a like just a a, uh, a jailbreak route, whatever you want to call it. Like, oh, crap, just here's the ball that gives you a little more room for. For just kind of garbage, garbage yards to be picked up mm-hmm. like and, and I think that's what they're seeing. And it's finally seeming like Negi is getting his way with the receivers, because this is how the Reed receivers have always been going back to Philadelphia with Macklin and Deshaun and all those guys. And then right now in Kansas city, I can't imagine this coach wanting a bunch of technical savvy wide receivers. Mm -hmm. Not that there's anything wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with being technical and savvy, but I feel like he'd almost want more of a track team than he would want a room full of route runners, you know? You've got almost three wide receivers worth of technical savvy in Allen Robinson. I mean, just to pick it out, Allen Robinson, I think Matt Harmon did a study where he said that Allen Robinson had the fourth most success against man coverage out of anyone in the NFL. And that's great company. That's what you want on your team. So outside of that, go get, go get the guys that are going to scare the safeties. Do it. I mean, especially now that you've got Justin Fields, he can throw the ball the old kind of saw country mile. Like you might as well get throw guys a ball right can... over them mountains. Exactly. All right, Danny, I've got a question. I'm going to put you on the spot because we're running out of time. I sure. feel like if there's one thing that nobody is talking about, because nobody ever talks about this, right? Is Pete, there is always somebody on probably I'd say about half of the football teams in America that takes what I would call an impossible step. I'll give you an example. Nick Kutowski went from he's completely flat footed. There's no way he'll ever cover in the NFL. It's sad. He's a relic of an old or of a time gone by, even in the preseason in 2019. And suddenly the guy was an outstanding linebacker in the middle of the season. If there was a player that you wanted to take the impossible step, who would it be? And if do you have one in mind or do you want me to start? I, I actually do have one in mind. Tashawn Gibson. Okay. Talk about it. Or not Tashawn Gibson. Uh, Travis Gibson. Ron Gibson. Gotcha. Travis, for me, is the guy I would like to see take the step because you have so little cost-controlled defenders, especially that are going after the quarterback. I mean, like we already talked about, your best your best pass rusher had eight eight and a half, nine and a half sacks last year in Khalil Mack. I mean, granted, he was still arguably the best edge defender when you factor in all the encompassing mm-hmm. facets that go into playing that role, but they need another pass rusher to get home because I don't, th- I think we, uh, we can all agree. We, we talked at nauseam last year on this very podcast that if whenever Robert Quinn shows up, it's going to, there's going to be hell to pay mm-hmm. hell. The, the, the Hicks 
<laughs> Mac Quinn thing is the, is the reason we got our name, yep. the rule of three. But I think he's the guy that could, in theory, take a step. But more, more than could, I think he's the one that needs to for this defense to play at the level that we all think it's capable of. And, mm-hmm. and obviously, Eddie Jackson returning to form goes without saying. And and Jalen Johnson staying healthy. Those are things that go without saying, I feel like. But if a guy like Travis Gibson can be even, call it six sacks worth of pressure, and and yeah. clean, even if it's cleanup sacks or you're anything, or, yeah, like <laughs> that matters. Yep. So he's the guy I think I think we should be hoping, but in I've terms got another of, one for you. And it's on the other side of the ball. Are you ready? Is, is, it, Cole, is it Cole? Is it Cole? Is it Cole? it's Cole Komet. God like, damn it! <laughs> here's let me let me walk you through it, okay? So one thing that I did a little while ago, and I want to make it clear, I'm not about to make the comparison between this player and who like and Cole Komet, but I went back and I watched Travis Kelsey's rookie film, and he isn't the player at, at that time that he is today. They're different. He's surprisingly like he's much more fluid now, even in his what now eight years into the league than he was as a rookie who you'd expect to be a little bit sprier. It just made me wonder, Danny, how much of Kmet? This is like the one question that I know even his detractors don't. There's not a good answer to it, right? How much did the COVID offseason tank his ability to get with the program? And so. If there was an impossible step to be made, I would be really curious to see if when Cole Kmet plays without hesitation, when he plays knowing where he wants to go, and especially for crying out loud, Danny, if the speed receivers can open up space underneath, even for him to kind of, I always used to make the joke back when Witten was on the Cowboys, that Witten would just sort of lumber his way to about 10 yards downfield and turn around and the ball would be in his gut. And he got Hall of Fame or is likely to go to the Hall of Fame off of doing that forever so it it is funny to me how like we've we've talked at length you've talked at length i've talked at length brandon's talked at length plenty do about how you need to be an Ertz kind of guy you need to be a kittle kind of guy you need to be a goddard kind of guy you need to be able to get open against man coverage but you know there's this old school model of the tight end darren waller another great example of those guys who can just get open but there's this old older school tight kind of tight end that just sort of wobbles his way into the right spot and if cole could become that guy say he catches 500 yards for instance, that would be a huge boon to a Bears offense that doesn't have a ton of great underneath threats. And I don't know. Again, we're talking the impossible step here, but it's the impossible would... step. And I think the intrigue behind it is I'm as big a skeptic, we'll call it, of Cole Komet as there possibly can be because I didn't really care for him a ton coming out of Notre Dame last year, let alone when he got picked by this team. And I was just like, Yay? Question right. mark. <laughs> um, it, the, this is the first full off season he's had that isn't interrupted by COVID. In theory, isn't interrupted, quote unquote, by COVID, or that he isn't focusing on a second sport. Mm-hmm. He was a baseball player too at Notre Dame, and that's the part where it's like, I can't argue with someone if you say, but he's never fully committed himself to football mm-hmm. 100% of the time. Because he, he did it. He was a, I think he was a closer or a middle reliever for Notre Dame That's on wild. top of playing football. <laughs> so 
Could there be something there? Yes. The issue I still come into the fact that in today's NFL, guys like Jason Witten would be a relic. Jason Witten isn't Jason Witten in today's NFL. And I, I want to be wrong. Maybe he figures out a way to loosen up his hips and ankles because he has very stiff hips and very stiff ankles. He can't turn. He's this big, strong, heavy set guy who goes forward. Like, and that's fine. He's very, he is very fast in a straight line. The issue is just how do you get him the ball where he is in that straight line? And he doesn't have to, you know, turn. <laughs> mm-hmm. So the other name that I think is kind of interesting that I know you're you and I are both a fan of is I think Khalil Herbert could have a really fun uh, impact on this team, be it in spot duty at running back, because who knows what's going on with with uh, Tariq Cohen. And it, I do think that Neggy is going to prescribe a little more to um, running back by committee versus here's the ball 25 times, David, go get you some. Like, in theory, I know that's what Bears fans would love, but no, that's how you wear a guy out and break him down. Well, just to, to pop in here, I think what drove me nuts is that if I was a defensive coordinator, I would have let David Montgomery try to take that outside edge on outside zone as many times as he wanted to because I would have trusted my defenders to beat him there. And Khalil Herbert is a little quicker. He's not near as ferocious and he doesn't have, we can say it right. He doesn't have the same Walter Payton energy that Dave Montgomery feels like he brings when he cracks through three tackles behind the line of scrimmage for a loss of one. Like it, uh, the, the nerd would look at that and they'd be like, he lost a yard. What are we excited about? Whereas and people who love like highlights, old bears history, so on and so forth. They're like, that's my guy. Yes. And so on and so forth. Herbert adds a little bit more of that. Actually, he could threaten you on the edge or he and can cut he it up. Also, and the bears also don't have a primary kick returner right now. And I think that's his job to lose. Probably. Back there returning kicks. And obviously we're in the era, especially of the last reason, four to six seasons, returning kickoffs isn't a big thing anymore, but it could matter. That's something could. that could in theory matter. I, I mean, there's a few names you could throw out there. That was one that, that I, that came into mind when you asked the question along with uh, Travis. Um, yeah. We will just, just have to see, won't we see? I, I was actually really, believe it or not. I was really excited to see if Jake butt had anything left and he retired. Probably because mm-hmm. of complications with his body, like where he's just never been the same since he blew his knee out his final bowl game at Michigan, and it's unfortunate because he what he was a legitimate like he's when he was coming out prior to injury, he was everything people wanted Cole Komet to be mm-hmm. this big guy that but he was great. He had like dancing bare feet, like he 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 could move well. He did a lot of stuff, but alas, here we are. Yep. And it'll just be interesting to see how everything plays out. The Bears need to get healthier. I mean, the trouble is, is that just like the 2020 team, this team's pretty thin. Like, I mean, it's isn't it ironic that the one position that the Bears could probably suffer an injury at is quarterback, and they just keep on ticking. Probably, like, whether. What do you think before we fully get out of here? What do you think the line is going to look like, barring health? Are you talking like good versus bad? No, no, no. Like, who's the five? Do oh. we think we know who it is, or are they still trying to kind of play plug I mean, in? If it's not 
Jenkins, Whitehair, Mustafer, Daniels, if any, I will be very surprised. And again, that's, that's assuming think, perfect yeah. health. I, and the nice thing is I talked about this with Lester. For those of you who didn't listen to T-Formation conversation, uh, first of all, I, I guess I love your loyalty. Thank you. Um, but he, and I forget that. That's a pad joke. Anyways, I do feel like Mustafer <laughs> could be a helpful run game center. I don't think Mustafer is ever going to be particularly great against like big beefy nose tackles. But in the run game, he could jump out and bump into somebody just fine. So good for him on that front. Well, either way, as we move on, it's just going to be a matter of time before we see who these bears truly become. So as we wrap things up, he is Danny Meehan. That is Dan Meehan, D-A-N-M-E-E-H-A-N. And then I am Robert Schmitz, R-O-B-E-R-T-S-C-H-M-I-T-Z, Robert K. Schmitz on Twitter. We have been the rule of two. And we will talk to you soon. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. See you later. Yeah, Windy City, you know what it is. Blooming orange, blooming orange, blooming orange, blooming orange. Yeah, when I touch down at O.